here we go, here we go. Ready to rock and roll, as uh, my beautiful wife said. Doesn't she look good? Man, oh man, I tell you, every time I see her, I'm like, whew, son, you married up. So I'm, I'm aware of that. I'm aware of it. Oh, yeah, oh, absolutely. And I mean, I had to, I, I'm not just saying that because we had the XO conference yesterday. I, it's, uh, I, I get to say that. And uh, those of you that attended the XO conference yesterday, how many of you enjoyed it? Man, it was awesome. It was good. So those of you that missed out, well, there's will be another opportunity because I'm sure we'll do that again. It was, it was phenomenal. So we learned a lot of good practical things in that regarding marriage. So uh, as she said, we're going to finish up our series on Grow Up. Uh, and Pastor Sheila rocked it last week. I mean, I, I spent a little bit of time watching it yesterday. And man, she, she's good. Pa- she's back there now because she has to leave in a little bit. But Pastor Sheila, man, phenomenal. Awesome job. Thank you for doing that. Jamie and I, we were in BC. And yes, there was no snow and uh, so every opportunity I had to walk, I found grass, and I walked on that grass. I'm saying, this is what it feels like. It's delicious. It's amazing. So, uh, no, it was good, and we had an opportunity to uh, speak at a church there called Numa Church. It's in Ladner, or Delta, B.C., and it's a great opportunity, great connection, as they want to be hooked up to our, the network of, that we have for ministers and pastors across Canada. So it's a great, great opportunity, great pastors, great church. You know, they're actually very similar to, to y'all here. It's a very similar feel there, so it's, it's good. Anyways, uh, you know what? If, um, before we get started, um, I'm going to just ask a couple of our ushers. They got these heartbeat booklets. I want to just read a part of it and a section to it. If you've uh, not been to this church before, if you've actually never even seen one of these heartbeat booklets, if you, just, if you want one of these booklets, just raise your hand. The usher will just fling one to you because I want to just throw you, show you a few things from it just to explain why this church is what it is, why we're here, why we exist, why we do what we do. Anybody ever wonder that sometimes? One person does. Okay, that's good. Well, because, I mean, the one, one of the main things for us is we don't want to just do church for the sake of church. Because, you know, it's possible everybody can just come. It's my Sunday morning ritual. I just come to church. I just do my church thing. I lift my hands. <laughs> I clap my paws and I raise my paws and I dance. That's the song that me and Max have with all of his puppies. It's... Uh, you know, in order, to, in order for him to go to bed, I'll explain this to you, we have to go through, uh, we have to go on a puppy adventure. And so this puppy adventure, it starts out with uh, me and Max. Max is laying down. I put all the blankets on top of him. He's got about six puppies, right? I'm, and not they're just little cute ones. I mean, boom to boom, boom, boom. And they're huge. So every puppy's got to go on this adventure. Now it all starts off, okay, all right. And so these puppies come running up to me and they're looking for Max. And so they find Max and they, Max, Max, we're so excited to see you. Max, we have to ask you a question. Do you love Jesus? And Max will go, yeah. And the puppies go get excited. We clap our paws and we raise our paws. We clap our paws and we raise our paws and we dance and we dance and we dance and we dance and we dance. The things you do, man, for, for Kitty. So I want to just, why do we come to church? Do you love Jesus? So what do we do? We clap our paws and we raise our paws and we dance and we dance and we dance and we dance. We get to do that. Right? All right. So just, so next week, Sunday, uh, I expect a lot of Pause, clapping, hand, pause, raising, and we're. I can teach you those moves. It's very simple. It just took years of getting it, but I found out the trick. So, anyways, but in regards to that, our heartbeat, what this church is all about, we're not just doing church on Sundays because that's what people do. Right? We're here with a purpose. We're here with a mission. We're here to do what God needs accomplished in this city, in this region, and we're continuing to push forward with it. So, if you just open up your heartbeat booklet for a moment. <laughs> to the first page. Uh, I just want to, again, read to you our word to you. This is something that Jamie and I, we went before the Lord before we took this, uh, this church on. Actually, it's two years next week. 
Two years ago, it was already, I know, isn't that crazy how time fly by? Did you know that we've only been Impact Life Church for eight months? <laughs> I know, it feels like it's been forever, right? But then, here we are, eight months, eight months old as Impact Life Church. But again, I want to just read this to you because this is as true today as it was the day that we stood before the Lord. And I want to just bring it to your remembrance again. But number one is that something that Jamie and I, we have committed to before the Lord and also to this church congregation is to pray for you, to carry you in our hearts, and to constantly build you up and speak life and strength over this church. Right? It's so easy to look at what things aren't going. And, oh, man, this is what's going on in the church. We continue to speak what the Word says about this church, about the families in this church, about homes, about children, about your jobs. We are constantly doing that. Secondly, is to lead Impact Life Church by God's direction only, not our own. Yeah. Number three is we're committed to teach the Word of God, not our opinions or the popular thought of today. And number four is to keep our eyes on what the Lord needs this church to do. We don't do church for the sake of doing church. We are here with an assignment. And as a church family, we will accomplish it. So that's the focus. That's what we're doing. And as you can see, so our vision as Impact Life Church is impacting generations for Jesus. Our mission. So kind of a condensed version for that is the lost get saved. We're interested, interested in seeing those that don't know Jesus come to know Jesus. Right? We want to showcase, show them who Jesus is. The lost get saved. Then once you're saved, you've got to get established in the Word. Once you're established, you've got to get going. Right? You can't just pew sit for the rest of your life once you're established. Right? You've got to get going. You've got to put some action to what you know. How are we going to accomplish that is by the very back, our priorities. We do that by number one is to be a strong Word-centered church in central Alberta. Number two, to be a training and distribution center of leaders in every generation. Number three is a strong influence for God in our city. Number four, a distribution center of the word in every form. So how are we going to impact generations for Jesus? By doing these four things. And then you can go look there for your own leisure. But DNA, what we are all about. You know what? Let me just read it to you. We are strong in the word and strong in the spirit. We present the word of God so people get it. Life is short. Church should be fun. There's any place you should be having fun. This, this ought to be better than a bar. We clap our paws and we raise our paws and we dance. And we dance. Hey, they're doing nothing different. They just don't know what they're doing. Oh, we know what we're doing. I clap my paws and I raise my paws and I dance. And I dance. Hey, listen, life is short. So if you can't put a smile on your face, listen, this is the, you're going to have a hard time here. All right. Fourthly, as we reach young, we honor age, we impact families. We train generations of leaders. We live by faith. We connect to society with the love of Jesus. We reach the entire person, spirit, soul, body. We are always forward thinking, meaning we don't live in the past. Meaning, oh, I like the songs they did in the 90s. That's great. We're not in the 90s anymore. We are in 2018. So we're going this way, right? And lastly, what we're all about, we are all about passion, right? And I love that one thing that I've, I've heard a few times from some guests that have come in. They love to see that the passion, there's passion in this church. And that's what we're all about. What are we passionate about? Jesus. We love this man. We are crazy about this man because of what he's done for us. Right? And lastly on there too is our value. So how we operate now is we honor full circle. We honor up. We honor down. We honor all the way around. Teamwork makes the dream work. Growth without change is impossible. We're all about excellence. We're all about no trash talk. We are always building up people constantly. Right? If you're on a team, no matter where, where you're at, we're always uplifting and building up people with our words. 
Uh, next there is getting outside the box. So we are married to the message, not the method. And we are all about strategic, strategic planning. Everything we do is done on purpose and with a purpose. So, for example, in two weeks, we are launching our Saturday night service. And that has been strategically planned. It's been strategically thought out. Now we are doing it with a purpose. And it's to reach more and impact more people for Jesus. Yeah. Right? Awesome. So I, I just wanted to go over that again for a quick sec. I just had it on my heart. Just to showcase, and some of you that are wondering, what's this church all about? Or maybe you've been here for a long time. Yeah, why are we actually here? What's this? What is this church thing? Well, that's why we're there. So that heartbeat booklet, read it, learn it, get it on the inside of you. Because if this is your church home, that's what we're called to do. Hurrah. Awesome. Okay. Grow up. Our last, last, last Sunday with it. But I trust that this series has been a blessing to you. I know, man, it has impacted me. It has, it has stretched me. It has caused me to self evaluate has caused me to look on the inside to see areas that I'd like to grow in I'd like to advance in and get to know Jesus more in and I trust it did the same for you husbands wives can you see that your spouse grew up a little bit or okay yeah okay no great praise the Lord I'm glad glad that you know there there should be testimonies man I'm, I'm seeing myself growing up when I used to freak out about the little things I'm not freaking out anymore like we got to hear those things like let us know how you're growing up because it's vital all right. Now, as we said before, God has used us, this church, to a degree, to the degree that we've yielded ourselves. I don't know about you, but I want more. Now, I want you just to turn to Isaiah chapter 6, just for a quick moment. I just want to exhort you for a sec, and then we're going to get right into this. But before we do that, I want to just pray, and then we'll, we'll go all in. Ready to go all in? Yeah. All right. Father, we love you. We honor you. Jesus, we are so thankful for everything you've done for us at the cross, through your resurrection, and everything that you've accomplished through your finished work. Jesus, we are so thankful that we can come together under your roof, under your house, to worship you, to hear your words being spoken to us, that it doesn't just nice more information, but Father, it's here for revelation knowledge, that it changes us from the inside out. Jesus, we're not looking just for mere words, but Jesus, we want to see you for who you are. So I'm asking you, Lord, that you continue to open up the eyes of our understanding, that our eyes of our heart would be enlightened, that we would know the hope of our calling and how rich is your glorious inheritance that you've invested in us. Jesus, we are so thankful for you. We give you all the praise and we thank you that the Holy Spirit is here. He's working in us. He's opening up the Word of God to us to, to show us something that we've never seen before. We expect it. We believe it. We receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Now, before we uh, jump in, I want to just, as I said, exhort you a little bit in this. But I, I know this. God is looking for someone to stand in the gap. He's looking for a man. He's looking for a woman. Someone who will just say yes to Him. I mean, you can see that all throughout the Old Testament, all throughout the New Testament, God is looking constantly for someone, someone that will stand in the gap, someone that will say yes to God to take his message, to take his vision, to take what he said and to turn around and to deliver it to people. So what is the greatest thing that you and I, what do we possess? We possess a message. Those of you that have been impacted by the gospel, guess what you are? You're a message carrier. It's the greatest thing that any one of us could ever be. It's message carriers, right? If you've ever experienced the healing power of Jesus in your body, guess what? You're a message carrier. Anybody ever gone through a tough time financially? Jesus came and he met that need. You are a message carrier. All of a sudden, your family's all going haywire and they've gone this way and they had a horrible times this way. Jesus came around and turned that thing around. You are a message carrier. 
Now, the worst thing you can do is hold that message to yourself. The best thing you can do is just start speaking it. Because first of all, you make the devil real mad. Gotta love that. Secondly, it helps and opens up people to see. That's what God, God did that for you. Yeah, and if he did that for me, surely he'd do that for anybody. Right? So the greatest tool that you have is your voice, is your message. We got to get the message out. So in Isaiah chapter 6, you see God's heart in all this. I mean, this is Isaiah's. You guys know this, but I'm, I'm just saying it to you again. Isaiah 6, 1, it says, It was the year of King Uzziah died, and I saw the Lord. Oh, man. Oh. And I saw the Lord. Whew. I'm happy just with that. <laughs> says, he was sitting on a lofty throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. Now, how many of you, maybe if those that have grown up in this for a long time, you just started singing that song? And the train of his robe. Okay, yep. Verse 2. Attending him, the Lord, were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. They were calling out to each other, Holy! Holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundation and the entire building was filled with smoke. Now imagine this, man. He saw the, like, you, you're getting this vision of this. You see, sees the Lord. He sees these great big angels with six wings and they're just yelling at each other. Listen, they don't know what to do. When you get in the presence of God, Whoa! You don't know what to do. And they just yelling back and forth at each other. The entire foundation of that temple shook. And then, uh, then I said, um, It's all over. I'm doomed. <laughs> For I was, I'm a sinful man. I have filthy lips. And I have, live among a people with uh, filthy lips. Yet I have seen the King, the Lord of heaven's armies. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it and said, See, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. Aren't you thankful that you are not a sin-stained person anymore? Who are you? You are blood-washed. You are completely forgiven. Jesus poured out all of his blood on the cross so that we could completely stand before him as if we've never done a thing wrong. Man, that's good. Then I love this and right in connection with it. Then I heard the Lord asking, Whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And his response is, Here I am. Here I am, God. And that's what I don't know about you, but I'm constantly saying that to the Lord. The Lord. Here I am. I want to be used by God. I don't know about you, but there is nothing greater in all the world for an individual to be used by Almighty God to impact and influence another individual for eternity. There's nothing greater than it. It beats any big paycheck you could ever have. Why? Because you are being used by the Creator Himself to do a task. Anybody want that? Man, I want that. I desire that. And that's what I believe we've been doing this whole series on growing up. Man, Lord, we're saying, Lord, Lord, is there a church in central Alberta? There's a church in Alberta. Is there a church in Canada? Is there a church in North America that I can use? Yeah, right here, God, right here. That's what I'm saying. I want that. I want him to be able to look at this church, be able to use this church in any possible way he can because he has his way because we love him. We love him. <laughs> right? The reason why this church is sustained all these years and has continued to be a strong church is because the people love him. Isn't that amazing? 
Man, and I want my continued love for him to infect generations that are coming up yet. Listen, somebody else has got to take this platform eventually. But the reason how it's going to be sustained and strong is through people, us, continuing to love him. I love him more than anything else. I love him more than my life itself. We got to come to that place because when, when you experience Jesus, you want to, you give your life for him. And that's why we're talking about growing up. I'm not okay. I mean, this is great. God has used this church. He's used you on an individual basis to a degree that you've allowed him, that you've yielded to him. But listen, there's so much more and I want that more. I'm not satisfied with where I'm at. I want the more. Anybody want the more? So the question is then, is it just, okay, God, okay, God well, yeah, we're, we're here for you. Whatever you want to do, just go ahead and you can just do your thing. No, it has to be done intentionally. It has to be done on purpose. It has to be saying, Lord, here I am. Here's my life. Where do I need to grow up? Where can I advance? Where can I go to the next level? And because I want you to work through me in a greater measure. Anybody want that? Awesome. Cool. Okay. So I think we got that kind of settled. <laughs> I have a desire to grow up. Man, oh man. Okay. So I want you to go to Ephesians chapter four. And can somebody again tell me real quickly, so why are we growing up? There's five things. Lord have mercy. And you're like, oh man, I haven't been in school for a while. What's number one? Anybody remember? It's God's plan. Woo. Somebody slapped your neighbor. That's God's plan. That's what I'm talking about. Bam. It's God's plan. It's his will. It's his desire. Think about this. He actually permits you and I to spiritually grow. He allows you. He's given you the freedom. He's given you the space to spiritually grow and advance. Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to just read this to you. The same one who descended is the same one who also ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. How is he going to fill the entire universe with himself? It's you and I growing up. We kind of just think, okay, well, God's big. He's going to just, you know, lay across the universe. Boom, there I am, universe. No, he's going to use you and I for it. So now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility uh, is to equip the saints, equip God's people to do his work. Whoa, back up a little bit. Is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all, say we all. We all, we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and the complete standard of Christ. So what is the goal in life is to look like Jesus. Well, what if your neighbor's a real good Christian? Oh, man, the way that they, man, they're so good. No, 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 that's great. You can, sure, you can learn some things from different people, but the goal is to look like him. Right? We don't want to look at people and say, that's my goal. If I can just raise my hands like that guy, that I'm, that I'm in, that I'm good. No, no, no. The goal is to look just like Jesus. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each person does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. 
Now think about that. That's the plan of God. Do you see how many times that he said the word growing or measuring up or going to the next? You can see it all over. So God's plan for your life is to go and be just like Jesus. Remember Jesus said this? I believe it's Matthew 24. He said that the teacher uh, is, or sorry, the student is not greater than the teacher, but the student is to be just like his teacher. So Jesus, what is he? He's an example. Yes, he's an example for us, but he's more than anything, he's an example of us. What you see Jesus do, I ought to be doing the exact same thing. Now, why is it that Jesus could perform miracles? Why is it that he could do what he did? Was it because he was the son of God? Well, sure, it's part of it. I mean, you're the son of God now too. But what's the difference between the two of us? He grew up. He grew up. You can see it in Luke chapter 2, verse 52, that the Lord Jesus, he grew up in favor. He grew up in stature. He grew up in wisdom. He grew up in all these types of areas so that he could be a vessel for God to use in the earth. Remember, Jesus didn't come as God. He came as a man. Remember, Philippians 2 tells us that he laid aside everything divine. He put it all down. And what did he take upon himself? Man, he took upon himself the bondservant of a slave and he became just like us. So Jesus walked on water like you. He raised the dead like you. What did he, he fed the 5,000 with two loaves and some five fish. How did he do it? Did he do it as God? No, he did it as a man yielded to God. He knew God, so he was never concerned about anything. He knew his father, and that resulted in him carrying things out. So what's it going to take for you to operate just like Jesus? It's a different way of thinking. Because, listen, Jesus doesn't think like you think. He thinks a lot differently. So as long as we can... Listen, this is what's amazing about our God. Yes, grace saved you, but grace now, after you've been saved, also is there to to strengthen you and to show you how to live just like Jesus does. Thank God for grace. He's going to show us that. Anybody interested in feeding red deer with two loaves and five fish? Listen, is it possible? To who? Well, those that believe. But man, listen, it's all about growing up. Is it possible that you could turn your entire business, your company around for the glory of God and see all the people that are working for you or the people ahead of you? Could you see them all being influenced for Jesus? Yeah. What's it going to take? Somebody grown up. Is it possible that you could change your whole family situation around? Yeah, what's it going to take? Growing up, you just need the wisdom of God on how to do it. Right? So many times we're just begging God, oh, do this, God, do this. And he's like, just if you grow up, things that you're actually praying for, you actually just start operating in. People are praying for so much stuff, and God's just like, if you just grow up, you could just actually do this. Right? And that's what we're getting towards. That's what we're building up in. Because what is prayer? Prayer is not just getting God to sovereignly do something for me. Prayer is communion with God. It's finding out what He's thinking, finding out what He's doing. Sure, okay, God, that's what I see you doing. Now, I'm going to go ahead and do that. Did you ever see, oh, he's, when Jesus, when He was on the earth, oh, okay, God, I just preached to 5,000 or 10, 15,000 people. How am I going to feed these guys? Oh, God, if you could just multiply these fish. No, He knew His God, so He just carried it out. Yeah. Right? Anyways, that's not my topic. Let's continue. <laughs> so that's number one. It's the plan of God. Number two. <laughs> he's advancing and he's building his church. So he needs builders and he needs plowers for his kingdom. Anybody interested in that? Okay. God needs new grounds. He needs new territory. Think about it. Even in your work, in your workplace. In your home, he needs new territory. And it's you that's going to get it for him. Thirdly, God paid a huge price 
for me to be back in his kingdom and I want to be a fruitful vessel for him. Fourthly, God has given me his kingdom, but as long as I remain a child in my thinking, I can't benefit and experience the fullness of what the kingdom of God can do and has done. You know, um, we won't turn there. And lastly, someone else's life depends on you growing up. Think about this. This city depends on this church growing up to the next level so that they can see Jesus. Think about it. You are the only hope that Red Deer has. So yeah, we can put on the nice barbecues, do the cool events. Those are great, but they need to see Jesus. We're not, they don't need to see Impact Life Church. They need to see Jesus. This city doesn't need more Joel in it. It needs Jesus. Let's bring it even more home. Your family doesn't need more Joel in it. <laughs> I'm talking maybe more specifically my family. My family doesn't need more Joel in it. It needs Jesus. So what do I have to do? I'm yielding myself to him. I'm willing to grow up and be like him. <laughs> Good. <laughs> All right. Says my future sister-in-law. Well, we'll, we'll chat. All right. <laughs> okay. So I want you to go 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Again, I'm just going over a few things. The growing up process. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 11. This is Paul speaking. He said, when I was a child, what do children do? They speak, they think, they reason as children, right? But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now, just think of naturally speaking. When do adults get into trouble? Is when they don't put away childish things. Husbands, you get in trouble with your wife is because you haven't put away childish things. <laughs> wives, let me just balance this out, okay? Wives, <laughs> you may get in trouble with your husband simply because you haven't put away childish things. When I got married, I could no longer act like a single man anymore. Anybody, any husbands realize that? It's a thing called communication. It's a thing called you have to now plan together things. Say, what? I just do what I want to do. You can, it's great. I got somebody just to tag along with me. That didn't fly. That, that went good for maybe, well, you're pretty good for a year. <laughs> maybe a few months. But after that, that was done. So I had to now put away childish things. Listen, everybody take, put away. When your kids are done playing with the toy, what do you ask them to do? Put it away. Why? We don't want to see it. I don't want to step on more Lego pieces. Lord have mercy. Uh, put it away! Right? The same thing. You're constantly wondering, why am I going into the same problems over and over? You need to put something away. You keep pulling your Lego little bits out and you keep playing with it and just leave it there. Right? Hopefully that somebody will just clean up your mess. No, you... This he says, but when I grew up, I... Say I. I. Who's the person in charge here? No, my wife will put it away for me. No, 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 no. No, I... Put away childish things. Okay, let me just tell you what the Greek word is on this. <laughs> the Greek word for put away is katergeo. <laughs> you have to say like an all Greek to me type of a guy. Katergeo. If I had more chest there, katergeo. <laughs> and that actually, what it literally means, it's to make useless or void, to abolish, and to actually leave unemployed. You need to fire your old way of doing things. 
Like, just, you can totally Donald Trump it. You're fired. Just take your stuff, things that are off. You're fired. You're fired. You're fired. You're fired. And take on these new things. Now, here's the thing. It's not about stop being childish. It's not about that because that won't work. It's about actually realizing, exposing yourself to a higher reality. For example, if you're having problems lying, stop it. That doesn't, that won't help anybody. Stop lying. Oh, oh, okay. But once you expose yourself to a higher reality, which is the word of God, you're able not to see a place, a see a way of lifestyle that you're able and capable of operating in. Grace made it available. Jesus didn't say, okay, be a spiritual baby from now until I come back. No, he said, I'm here, be born again. And from that, I'm going to give you all this room to grow. And that's amazing. You have the capability of growing up to be just like him. But we got to expose ourselves to higher thinking. We got to expose ourselves to a higher reality. And where do you find that? We find that in the Word of God. But if you're not spending time in the Word of God, you're going to be dumb forever. Amen. Found that for myself. Oh, I want to, Lord, I just want the high life. I want to be experiencing more. I want to see more. If you're not spending time in this book, you're not being exposed to a higher truth. So thus, you're stuck with yourself. Me, myself, and I. And here we go. I'm the three of us. We are confused more than ever. But as long as I keep exposing myself to this, the result is, oh, I see it. Because what you see, you can participate in. What you don't see, you can't participate in. So as long as we are not spending time opening this book, we are going to be stuck to what we see here. And so Romans chapter 12, I want you to go there for a sec. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. The Apostle Paul continues to sell. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you. What does that mean? He's begging. I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that He has done for you. What has He done for you? Well, if you read Romans chapter 11, you'll find out that He actually, the, the, God talks about grafting another branch into the vine. Before, you and I, we weren't even considered to be part in the vine. We were heathens according to the Jews. It was God had a covenant with the Jewish people, and that was it. Everybody else was outside the covenant. Everybody else was just dirty and nasty. We had nothing. So what God did is he actually engrafted us into that vine that we can be part of what he's doing. And said, I'm going to cut a covenant with you. We're in this thing together. So seeing now that God has made us available to be with him, give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. So we kind of think of worship as, oh, you know, kumbaya, my Lord. No, worship is I give my body to him. Right? As long as you have your own body, you know, I have to give it to him. That's the that's why worship. Amen. Then verse 2, it says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. So what happens if we're not exposing ourselves to the higher reality and higher truth? By default, we will copy the behavior and the customs of this world. You see it. The divorce rate in the Christian world is just as high as doctors. Why is that? It's because they're not exposing themselves to higher truth. If we would just get back to the very foundations and the basic principles of Christianity, read your Bible, pray every day, pray every day, pray every day, read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow. The song is true. The song is true, everyone. And then on the other hand, me and my sons, we sing another version of it. Don't read your Bible and don't pray every day. You start to stink, stink, stink. And then eventually they just turn it into a farting game. It's, it's, quite, it's quite humorous. But if we would get back just to the very foundation, the very principles of open your Bible, 
read your Bible and pray every day, you will grow, grow, grow. My Sunday school teacher was right. <laughs> Mr. Hug, thanks. <laughs> I know. But let me just continue. He says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God, say let God. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Now, this is where you kind of get stuck. As long as I keep operating in the same pattern of thinking, I get the same result every time. We're asking God, God, we want new product. Give us a new product. He's saying, give me a new pattern. Because as long as the pattern is the exact same, what's going to happen? The product is going to be the exact same. So what needs to change? The pattern. Whose pattern? What's, what's the pattern part, part is that? Is that God's part or is that my part? That's my part. I have to allow God. I have to be in this place where I can just sit in His presence and exposing myself to His Word. He'll transform the way that I think by me being exposed to it. Oh, that's what you see. Okay, that's what I do with my finances. Okay, that, okay, I see that. See, what's happening? People have a hard time with all these different things that the church will, oh, they, my money, or healing, or speaking in tongues. No, you, you're just not exposing yourself to a higher reality. You're not opening the Bible to see what the truth is. Right? And so what happens is now you're copying the behavior and customs of this world. Okay, well, that's what they do, so I'm going to do the same thing. That's, we're stuck. Same pattern, same product. Okay. <clears throat> you cannot pray hard enough to grow up spiritually. You cannot know enough scriptures to grow up spiritually. You can't go on enough mission trips or even go on having experiences in these mission trips to grow up. So what's the process of growing up? It's allowing God to have access to me through his word and his spirit so that I can renovate and remodel my thinking. Again, we have to expose ourselves to higher thoughts. What are the higher thoughts? It's the word of God. That's where you're going to find them. You know, Isaiah 55, I believe it is, that God actually said, my thoughts aren't your thoughts. Did you know that God's not Canadian? <laughs> Did you know that God's not a housing? I have to find that out. Okay. You don't think like me. God's not your last name. God's not Canadian. God's not American. He's God. And his thinking is word. So that's why you can take this word and cross culture with it because it's not about culture. It's about heaven. It's about God, the way that he thinks. So he said, now I want you to take your thoughts. I want you to actually submit them to my thinking and take mine. Why? What happens when I start thinking like God? I get God product. <laughs> if my pattern is to think like God, what's the result? I get God stuff. It's so simple, is it not? So why isn't everybody doing it? Because it takes time. It takes investment. You have to put yourself... Listen, I'll tell you this. When you make the commitment to saying yes to God, the first time you crack open your Bible, it is going to be torture for the first five minutes. Oh, why is this taking so long? Because ah! spiritual things are not microwaved. It takes time. Because God wants you. We're so focused on the work, God is focused on the worker. And so we're thinking, okay, God, I need my family changed. No, 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 no. I want to change you. So, listen, I, there's been times where I've sat literally for two hours and have had nothing said to me. And listen, for my personality, this is a hard, this is a hard place. Oh, God. 
You can only count the light bulb so many times and see a few that are burned. Oh, come on. <laughs> right? But it's because he wants you. Really, you're coming to this place where you're just calming down. Right? Okay. So now, the highest level of living. Go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And I'm going to just show you these two here. So what is then the highest level of living? Listen, this is going to be so easy. You're going to be like, oh, that's it. Yeah, that's, that's basically what it is. So here, 1 Corinthians 13. I want you to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31. So it's talking about 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about spiritual gifts. Right? And you see what the Spirit of God does, all the different ways that He operates, the way that He manifests Himself in His gifts through people. Right? And near the end of it, he goes on to say, you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. And as a church, we believe in the gifts of the Spirit. Listen, we need the gifts of the Spirit. Because without them, you got us just clapping our paws and raising our paws and dance and trying to make an entertainment center for people. We need the gifts. Because now look, earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. We earnestly crave the spiritual gifts. But then he says, but now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. 1 Corinthians 13, 1, love. The highest level of life, the highest level that you can live in is in the realm of love. Because God is love, love is God. 1 Corinthians 14, 1. Now look at the very end of after 13. It says, let love be your highest goal. Let me read it to you from the Amplified for a sec. It says this. Eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this love. Make it your aim Make it your great quest. So don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world because what is the behavior and customs of this world? Selfish. It's me. It's my stuff. It's all me. But so we, Paul is saying to us, now I want you now, let love be your goal. Let it be your greatest quest because that is the highest form of living that there is. Because what is, who is love? It's God. When I live in love, I live in God and God lives in me. Right? Now, if, uh, Ephesians chapter 5, one, this is message, so I want you just to look at the screen. Now, how do I live in this lifestyle of love? So if that's the highest form of living is love, how do I get there? Verse 5, chapter 5, verse 1. Watch what God does, and then you do it. So don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, right? Listen, people, what are, we, what are all people? We are just copycats. That's it. Yes, we are our own people, hands down. But what we do in our attitudes and our behaviors, we're just copying what we see. <laughs> I remember uh, this. This isn't very good, but I remember I went to a, I went to a friend's. I went to a friend's house. I wasn't. How do I say this? He wanted to be my friend. I didn't want to be his friend, but I thought, you know what? My, my mom is kind of forcing me to go, so I got to go and be friends with this guy. Anybody ever had that before? Come on, he wants to be your friend. Be friends with him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Colton just said, I thought it was mutual. No, sorry, man. It, wasn't, it was not. <laughs> oh, Colton. Oh. But uh, so, uh, and this is actually kind of a cool way how I got out of it is so I went over to this friend's house and it was him and another brother. And so we decided they, they wanted to go sledding. No, sledding was fun. So I went sledding, did all those things. But we came back. 
And uh, their mom, the, my, my friend's mom, asked them to put some clothes away, put, their, put the, snow, the snow stuff away and all that. And he lipped off his mom. And I mean, I was, I was in grade five. This was, I remember hearing it going. <gasps> so, hey, you know what? I went home, tried the same thing. <laughs> hey, Joel, welcome back. Can you put your stuff away? Uh, <laughs> no. Like, you just kind of, whatever grade fives do. Uh, I don't have time for that, mom. <laughs> like, you just kind of get all this, excuse me, my friend Ryan doesn't have to do it. Neither do I. And you're not going to that boy's house. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't smart enough to plan that, but I, I kind of knew. I was like, eh, you're, not, you're not going there anymore. Because whatever you expose yourself to is actually what you just copy. Right? You come into a place where people are just worshiping the Lord. What happens to you? You just get caught up in it. Right? We're just, oh, yeah, yeah. Right? You just, you follow what you see. How you're parenting is what you've seen. So this is what, this is so vital for us because this is where it turns into religion is what you're just supposed to do what you're told. That's religion. Relationship is watch what I do. Now you do it. Let me show you. And then it goes on. Then do, uh, watch what God does. Oh, sorry. Go back, please. Watch what God does and then you do it like children who learn proper behavior from their parents or improper behavior from their parents. Next uh, verse two, please. It says, mostly what God does is love you. Now look at these next two words. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. It is impossible to learn a life of love by being around nice people because love isn't nice. <laughs> love is truth. Right? And so you can get actually a false love in there too. And you actually see that a lot in the Christian world. There's a lot of love, but it's not. It's tolerance. You got a wrong understanding. And so what God does, mostly what God does is love you. So what is he saying? Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe. What's he doing? Investigate. Observe this. Look into it. How Christ loved us. His love was not cautious but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us, love like that. So here's the thing. We're here. Oh, you got to walk in love. Great. How do you do that? Keep company with him. That's it. How do I do this love life? How do I live in the highest form of reality? Keep company with him and learn it. He's the only one that can teach you. Yeah, you can see different examples, absolutely. But the goal is, is yeah, I've, I mean, people that have just got born in, into the kingdom of God, yeah, they have to look at people. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. So there's some people, listen, you're an example for. People are looking to you to see your conduct, to see how you behave, to see how you talk, to see how you act. They're watching you, right? And what you're showing them is, I want to make sure I'm showing Jesus, yeah. right? But the ultimate goal is, yeah, follow me as I follow Christ. And okay, now you're... You see that? Okay, now come right alongside me. See how Jesus did this? Yeah, that's what I'm looking at. Now you look at the same thing and let's do it together. That's the ultimate goal, right? That's where we're heading is people see Jesus, <laughs> right? Okay, now <clears throat> there is a call to come back to the original intent, the primary purpose for your life. I had this last week actually while I was prepping in um, B.C., I wrote three messages. It took me a day and a half. I just spent forever trying. I'm like, Lord, I had, a, I had a message, and I'm like, ah, this doesn't seem right. 
have worked on another one for a long time. Nah, that's not it. Okay, what is going on? And it's me. So I'm, and there's nowhere really, I mean, I'm, Lord, what is it? Where am I? Like, it's not him. It's me. I'm missing it. So I finally got to the third one. And I go, oh, I see it. Okay, I see it. And he just really showed me that there, he gave me two words for that church. Number one was resurgence. Second word was just a, a call back to the primary purpose for what you're called. Going back to the original intent. Going back to the basics. Because a resurgence simply means is to make small adjustments so you don't miss the mark. Because, you know, for example, if I'm, if I'm here, I'm heading in that direction. If I turn my feet a little bit this way and just keep going eventually over time I'll be off and I'll go, why, where am I? Why am I off? I have to come back to the primary purpose for which I'm created and it's right here. Okay, resurgence. I'm coming back to the basics, coming back to the original intent. Okay, this is my primary focus. Your primary calling in life is not to be whatever business you are or to be a mom or a dad or to be a parent or a spouse. That is not your primary purpose. Your primary purpose is to be with Him. If we get away from the primary purpose and all of a sudden what comes first is me as a parent, me as a spouse, me as a worker, me as a boss, you will be off at some point. We have to come back to the very first, very focus of it. Revelation 2.4, this is Jesus' words. He said, I have this one complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you once did. And more better translation I like is you've left your first love. So we got to come back to it. Listen, I know we're all busy, but we got to come back to the primary purpose for why we're here. Me and Jace had this conversation this morning. I just said, hey, buddy, like he sat on my lap. He said, so like he was actually asking me some questions about church. And I'm like, okay, hey, but let me ask you, why are you here? Um, to play? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, of course, you're, yeah, you're here to have a great, absolutely, man. But I said, what's the, what's the main reason why you're here? Why did God want Jace Matthew James housing in this earth? Um, to eat breakfast? Like, and it just, you know, eventually over time we got to it. I said, why did God bring you here? Because he loves me? I said, yeah. Now, what is it, what, why does, so he loves you. What does he want to do because of his love for you? Hmm. And we kind of just got to talk to him about, around a little bit. But eventually we got to the point, it's because he wants to have a relationship with Jace period. Don't let that become so common to you that you forget the most significance of it. There is no greater truth in all the word of God than the reality that the God of the heavens and earth, the creator, wants to have a relationship with mankind. Religion says God. Christianity says, Father, I have a dad. Now, I don't believe, I mean, I know this for my own self. I haven't come to the realization that I actually have a father. I have a God, but reality, I have a dad who would do anything for me at any moment, at any time. He's willing to talk to me about everything and anything. Sure, we know that, but do you know it? Because if you knew that, it would change everything about you. It would change the way you think. It would change the way you talk. It would change the way you would organize your schedule. You have a dad who longs for a relationship with his kids. You can actually see it, James 4, 7. The spirit within us is yearning this craving, this longing, this strong desire for relationship. And if it's not there, that yearning continues to come. The Spirit of God wants it. He's yearning for it. 
And the only way that he can have it is if we yield to it. So I want you to just, I want to show you a few other scriptures. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 1, 9 for a moment. Just for your own looking, you can look at Mark 3, 13 through 15. But I want to show you 1 Corinthians 1, 9 because this is your primary calling. Church, we got to understand this. This is the primary call. It is impossible to grow up apart from him. We need to have a relationship with a father in order to properly grow up. Because if you don't have a father teaching you, what are you doing? You're on your own. Figuring out. And what happens? It turns into a religious thing. Not only that, it turns into you can actually get real harsh on yourself on this. Why am I still talking that way? Why am I thinking that way? How do I know? I just went through it. Lord have mercy. Not realizing I had a daddy whose arms are wide open saying, I come. Let me show you. Let me help you. Things that I've been dealing with, things from my past have been coming up and I'm going, God, what's going on? And the result is, is I'm trying to just bury this thing. I'm trying to just keep it under wraps. And I, I got this. And here's the thing that the Lord showed me. He's, because uh, I remember saying this, oh, that would never happen to me. And I found myself in this place. Oh, God, what's going on? I'm Joel Housing. I can do that. I, I can do these types of things. Pride. And there is no grace for those that have pride. There's nothing. So I came to the point saying, Jesus, I'm done. I literally cannot do this apart from your help. I need your help. And at that moment, the moment I released it, the moment grace came flooding in and said, let me show you. Changed my life. Listen, uh, this, was, this all happened while I was in BC. I had two nights where I'm just bawling my face off. I'm frustrated. I'm angry about things. And I'm trying to bury it. I'm trying to fix things. I'm trying to go after this. The moment I exposed it to the Lord, I talked to Jamie about it. It lifted. It lifted. And here I am going, I'm like, oh, that, what? Oh, what? That, that's it? Yeah, grace. Grace. You're trying to hold on to things. You're trying to figure out how things work. Stop it. Stop trying to fix things. And what result is just go to a God, to a father whose arms are wide open and he'll show you. He'll teach you things. He loves his kids. We got to come to the realization that I have a daddy. I have a dad and he loves the snot out of me. He cares about me more than anything or anyone in this whole entire planet. And it's for everybody. Man, oh man, it's, it's, it's changing. Now I want you to look at Matthew 6. Because this was Jesus' message when he came to the world. Remember his message was what? John 3.16. <laughs> this was Jesus' message. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Who is he talking to? He's talking to the religious leaders of those days and they could not hear him. They couldn't understand it. They came from a ritual. They came from law. And it was, like, rawr, rawr. It was so harsh. People couldn't even come even close to keeping the law. And they lived under this bondage, under this, oh, this frustrating. And their hearts were hard. Now, the moment Jesus comes in, and I want you to look at Matthew chapter 6. Let's read this for a sec. Now, remember, this is who, he's talking to religious people. He's saying, that's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Jesus said that. Look at the birds, he said. They don't plant, they don't harvest, or store food in barns for your, what does he say? Your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? 
Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautiful as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? It's a faith issue. It's a trust issue. So don't worry about thing, these things saying, what am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? What am I going to wear? And if we modernize it, what am I going to drive? Where am I going to live? Where is my paycheck coming from? These things, what those things, those thoughts, dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But what? Your, come on, say, your what? Your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. He already knows it. So what is he saying? So seek first the kingdom of God and, all, and above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. He'll just add it to you, not take it away. He's going to add it to you. Yeah. Our job is so focused on how can I get all this stuff? We've, we've messed and we've, we're stepping out of the highest form of living there is. And the result is we've copied the behavior and customs of this world where I'm trying to get things. I need my paycheck in order to live. Listen, I'm, I'm learning this too. That's not actually true. I have a father who's supposed to take care of me. My paycheck is my seed. <laughs> so what does he say? So don't worry about tomorrow. That's not saying don't plan. Like not, I mean, I got a daytime. I, I have certain meetings and things that I got to take care of. But it's saying don't worry about it. For tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble enough for today. Just chill out. I got you. Relax. Be good for people just to <gasps> take a breath. You have a dad. I think that's why some people even dropped away from their primary call is because they're so caught up in life, so busy with everything that's going on. And I, I got church and they put it on top of all these things that they got going on. Listen, you have a relationship with a father. That is your primary focus. And out of that relationship, when I'm seeking him, all these things get added. I know you're thinking about that, but I, let this be something that you actually ponder on for a little bit. He'll just add these things. Oh, man, I, I, need some, I need some new clothes. These things are raggedy. He'll add these things to you. The Lord told that to Jamie and I through a word that was given to us from another minister. They said, if you press into me, I'll, give you, I'll make sure you, you are provided with the finances to get away for a few days. And you know what? He has... How are we, even going to BC, how, how are we going to pay this? How is this going to work? He provided it. <laughs> All these areas. We're thinking like, I got to find out how to get this. I got to save up for this. Listen, he'll provide it. If I'm spending time doing what he told me to do, he's a loving father. And if I put him in that place of father, I can be sure that he'll take the father's responsibility and fulfill it. I believe that with all my heart. A few other things that Jesus said about Father. John 16, 23. It says, At that time, you won't need to ask me for anything. I tell you the truth. You will ask the Father directly, and He will grant your request because you use my name. Jesus' whole message is, Your Father. John 16, 27. For the Father Himself. What? Loves you dearly because you love me and believe that I came from God. How many of you believe that Jesus came from God? What's the Father's response? The Father himself loves you dearly. The Amplified, I like the Amplified. It says the Father himself tenderly loves you. Tenderly. He cares. Matthew 6, 8 
verse 9, it says, Don't be like them, talking about uh, the heathen, for the Father knows exactly what you need before you even ask Him. So then what does He say? So now pray like this. Our Father. It's not the Lord. That's not the Lord's prayer. It's our prayer. Our Father. John 17, 23. I don't have that on the screen, but you can keep that for yourself. Is as Jesus said this. This was His prayer before He went on the cross. Father, that the world may know that You sent Me and that You love them even as you've loved me. God looks at you. He sees Jesus. The Father loves me just as much as He loves Jesus. And did He love Jesus? What would God do for Jesus? What? Anything. Jesus even said, if I hang it on that cross, I could call legions of angels and at that moment I'd be delivered. Same thing. Listen, all that it is, it's not just trying it. you got to know it. I have a daddy who's got my back. And the moment I cry out for help, it says God's ears are open to the righteous. It's not just, you know, it's not just trying it or saying, God, I need your help. No, it's inquiring of him. It's being with him. It's relationship. You can't just, you know, people are praying without a relationship with God. Trying to, you know, trying to figure something else, trying to get something to happen in their life. It doesn't work that way. It's all based on relationship. Right? Is this, am I making sense? And I got about five minutes left and I'm going to, we're doing okay? We're, we're fine if I take five more? So now how do I connect with my father? Number one is through the word and number two is through the spirit. Yeah. No one, number one, through the word of God. And this is what Smith Wigglesworth always said. He said, I can't understand God through my feelings. I understand God, the Father, by what the Word says about Him. He is everything the Word says about Him. So how do I have this relationship with my Father? There's got to be some kind of connection point, right? Same way for you to have a relationship with your spouse or a close friend, there has to be a connection point, right? What's your connection point with God, your Father? It's the Word. The Word is how He connects to you, but the Word is also how I connect with Him. Right. I, I don't know about you, but I've just come to this realization and this clear understanding. Jesus, thank You for this Word. Yeah. I am so thankful for this Word because in this Word possesses not just, doesn't possess Your Word, it is Your Word. Right. This came right from His lips. Yep. He's speaking it today. Now we want to come to the place where actually the Word starts talking back to you. You've got to spend so much time in this book, in this word, that this word actually starts talking to you. That's when you know you're having fellowship. That's where you know you're coming back to this call. Is your, what are you communing with God about? His word. We're talking about this. You said don't be anxious for everything. <laughs> what do people spend most of their time doing? Being anxious. You can't be anxious and have a relationship with God. It's impossible. What did he say? Don't be scared or anxious about anything and then what did he say instead pray about everything what's my prayer list everything you're anxious about and then what add thanksgiving and the peace of god will come we're trying to have a relationship with god through a through a lens that we have going okay this is my frustration this is what's going on in my life god i don't know what i'm going to do with my family i don't know what they're going to do with my job we're trying to get answers from him and you can't hear because you're not in relationship you're in you're trying to get god to do something differently from what he said it doesn't work and that's probably, maybe, I don't know, but I sense that in my heart where some people may be frustrated in their relationship with God. It's because it's not a relationship. 
It's you just working things out. You're trying to do this book apart from him showing you or him telling you. So here you are trying to figure this thing out. Oh, God, if you could just do this in my family, you could just do this in my work. It, it doesn't work that way. It's okay, God. He already knows what I need before I even ask him. So my prayer should be, Lord, what do I need? <laughs> what do I need? Let him show you. Let him teach you. Let him reveal it to you. And once he reveals it to you, go, okay, okay, now that's going to be my prayer. Lord, I'm asking you. I'm asking for wisdom. There's been times I've been praying about some finance stuff. I've been praying a few things that way. Lord, I need, I need, I need those finances to come in. No, 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 you don't. Yeah, I do. <laughs> like, you don't, I, I need that to come in. No, you need wisdom in how to handle it. Oh, so what's my prayer? James 1.5. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Okay, God, I need wisdom in how to handle my finances. You don't need a bigger paycheck. You need to know how to do with what you got. Be faithful with that, and then I'm able to have more. That's, it's how it works. Again, we're trying to get something. Okay, these are his promises, but it never trumps over having relationship. <laughs> we want the promises of God, but no relationship. And that's exactly going back to the way Israel operated while they were wandering the desert. They want everything. Okay, we want this, 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 this. And God's saying, he came down on that mountain and said, hey, here I am, everybody. And they peed their pants. They didn't have pants, their tunics or whatever they had on. Freaked right out. Man, could you imagine all of a sudden God put on a show, the mountain turned black, just all of a sudden comes rocking down there, whole mountain turns black and... Right? And the result is they didn't want him. They didn't want him. I don't know about you, but I'm coming to this place more and more. Jesus, I just want you. I can't, I don't want your promise. And that was Moses' cry. You see the heart of Moses in that was phenomenal because, man, he had everything, yet he gave it all up because he wanted one encounter with God direct his life in the best possible way. Now, he's content living in the desert forever. And he came from a palace, whereas slaves lived in the wilderness, complained all the time, and they wanted to go back to slavery. <laughs> well, it's the same way if you're, if you're a parent, you have children. You want your kids to just be with you. I love it when our family sits down together and we have a family meal or we're playing a game together and it's our family, not just, oh, I need cereal and I need this and I need that. After a while, it's like, you're done. I don't want to get you. Just shut up for a little bit. <laughs> what do I want? I want my family close. God's the same way. Come back. Come back to our original intent. So how do I get to know God? Or how do I connect with my father? It's through the word. Last scripture, John 14, verse 21, 23. This just proves it. <clears throat> it says, Those who accept my commands and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them, and I will reveal myself to each of them. What's the commandment of God? John 13, 34. Jesus said, a new commandment I give you, that you love your, love your neighbor as I have loved you. So we keep that commandment. We're fulfilling all the command of the law. What's he going to do? He is going to reveal himself to me. Verse 20, you see 22, Judas, not Iscariot, but the other disciple that was named, said to him, Lord, why are you going to reveal yourself only to us and not to the whole world at large? Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. Ooh. My father will love them and we will come and make our home with each of them. What does that mean? Revealed. You are experiencing God 
in your home. And when we say we'll make our home with each of them, it's on the inside. You become so aware of God. He's more real than anybody that you're even talking to. But how is it? It's through His Word. Those that, those that obey my commands, they are the ones that love me, and I will love them, and I'll reveal myself to them. It's not because God's going, well, you better do this in order for me. No, it's the highest form of living is the commandment of love. When I live in love, then God has access to me, and He can make Himself real. But if I'm saying, this is, this is wrapping up the whole growing up side of it. Stepping over to be mature in our, in our Christian walk is to operate and function in love. Because when we're operating here, God is real. He's real. I experience Him. I see Him. He's talking to me all day long. He helps make decisions with everybody that I come in contact with. He is a real God. Well, how, how is He real to you? It's because I'm living in this realm called love. I live there.